With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's me, it's me, it's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James, and by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass Billy Gunn. Together we are the New Age Outlaws, and you're listening to the B-O-C Nation. And if you ain't down with that, he's got two words for you. Suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOCNation. My name is C.T. McManus, and for the next two hours, it is my job to get your mind off the world out there and refocus in on some good old-fashioned rock and roll. We have an amazing show for you this evening. Our first hour, we are dedicating. Unfortunately, it is really tragic and sad. The whole rock world went in the shock this past Wednesday when we lost Sir Eddie Van Halen. And guys, if you knew anything about the show, we had Van Halen shows in the past, and it is just a tragic, tragic uh, 
loss to the rock world in general. We also have, in the second hour, we're going to have founding member of Arcade Fire, Tim Kime, who'll be joining us. And we also have the lead vocalist of The Fifth. He'll be joining us as well towards the end of the show. Now, this show was unique in that it was going to begin, um, I'm doing a round of guest co-hosts. And my guest this evening, I'm very excited to announce, he's been with us since the very beginning, my friend, Rock Doc. You're with us, brother. Absolutely. How you doing? Good, man. Good. So, uh, how about this loss, man? It's unbelievable. You know, uh, it's for anybody who's played guitar or been around the rock music for just knows that he's just changed the way people played. It was so dramatic when he came in, just uh, unbelievable. So it, it's it was so quick. Nobody knew. People knew he was kind of sick, but not that sick at this point. It was yeah. hard. It's a horrible loss. You know, some of the I'm not a guitar player, but I can't not appreciate what he did for the industry as far as his tapping technique and some of the arpeggios that he did and just just his style. You knew when you heard it that it was Eddie Van Halen. It's unbelievable. I just heard a story recently for when he did uh, the Michael Jackson song, Beat It. He came in for uh, Quincy Jones, didn't get paid for it, just came in and laid it down in one track. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. I, I was looking at, I've been reading some of the uh, some of the tributes, watching some of the videos, and one thing that I didn't know was that he was a son of a Dutch and Indonesian immigrants. He was an American. He came to America as an immigrant, and he worked from the beginning, and he said, you know, he faced a lot of discrimination both in his home country and here because when he came here, he became friends a lot. He leaned more towards the black community, and most of his friends were black. And the white kids would pick on him, and they would they would uh-huh. harass him, they would bully him. And he is the definitive model of the American dream, man. He came over here with nothing and made what he is. Absolutely. So. Usually in the beginning of the show, what we usually do is we kick off with some music, and we're going to do that as well tonight. I know that you listed uh, this track as one of your favorite stock with uh, the uh, Unchained. Oh, uh, hell yeah. <laughs> what would you say uh, as far as this song or any Van Halen songs or in particular, how much of an impact it had on your playing? Uh, well, you, you can hear it in, in my Total Crush songs. Um, you know, when this came out, I can remember where I was, what I felt like. I was just absolutely blown away. Just that whole whoosh when he first comes in. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And then we're going to follow up on Chain with the second era of Van Halen with Sammy Hagar and Pound Cake. And I remember I was in high school when this came out. And the idea that he played the, the song with a like a mixer was like, it blew my mind. Like when you saw that on MTV, when you saw him playing and he, he took out one of the Baker mixers, it was just crazy. Unbelievable. And, and that whole stage, some people like the first stage of Van Halen, some people like the second. Uh, it just shows you what kind of a musician he was to be able just to change it up like that. And, you know, I, I, I saw online somewhere and guys, if you are, 
wanting to add to the conversation at any time in this hour, you can. It's 914-338-1885. That number, once again, is 914-338-1885. We'll be joined later by a few of the tribute bands that are around the area, Van Halen tribute bands. But uh, I, I just remember being in high school and... You know, I had an older brother that was 10 years older than me, so he was really big on the Van Halen bug before I got there. And, I mean, he was born in 65, I was born in 75, so I was towards the later half, the whole Sammy era. But, man, I I just remember how big Eddie Van Halen was. And, like, he was a spectacle. When you saw him play... It was like you were legitimately watching a god play. He was really a god of rock and roll. It, it came on such unbelievably. I was 77 when they first um, came out with their first album. And actually their demo was done by Gene Simmons of Fifth. And you heard Eruption. It was nothing like that out there. It just cut through everything. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, you know, some people have put it on the Rock and Roll Union page this past week that he won't be replaced, and that's that's for certain. He will not be replaced. I'm waiting for the next era of the, uh, as I think we all are, the next era of the big guitar players. And I, legitimately, I think the the last big guitar player that I can name with their own style and having that legendary status for me would be Slash. I can't think of any other guitarist oh, yeah. that has come out yeah. since Slash that has had that kind of mark on the industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, so, and Slash, you know, he, his style is just another one was just very different and very, very um, uh, bluesy feel. Oh, yeah. I mean... You, you could see in his style, uh, just because I'm a hardcore Aerosmith fan, you can see a lot of Joe Perry in Slash, whereas, I mean, Eddie, Eddie was unique because I, I couldn't pinpoint or show you where he came from. He, he, had yeah, no, yeah. he had no predecessors. He had no, you know, anybody that came after him that's going to be able to touch the legacy that he built for himself. He had a, um, an interview um, years back, and he said the reason why he got such a unique sound out of his guitar is he couldn't afford pedals, so he had to make these sounds himself. That's crazy. You know, I, I was watching a video on that. Uh, there was a guy, Howard Stern this past week did a tribute to Eddie Van Halen, and on the Howard Stern show, they had a guitar player on there that was showing a lot of the, uh, a lot of the styles that he had. He had a, a style where the guitar turned into sounding almost like a violin and he did it by turning the volume up and down and by doing different things with the strings and it was just it's amazing the things that he came up with just because of necessity right so we're going to go ahead and we're going to do a double shot of this Van Halen right now guys here is Unchained and don't go anywhere we're going to do a double shot of both Eric well there were three errors. The third error was kind of the the Gary Sharon error was a little uh, neither yeah. here nor there. It is what it is. But we're we're gonna listen to the two major errors of Van Halen. Here is Unchained.
Hey, this is Total Package, Lex Luger. You're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Check out In the Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Kaku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with history. The voice of choice and killer can resonate. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have Adnan lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Taylor, you guys are busting me up. Catch Wrestling With History with Ken Resnick and I live on VOCNation.com Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern Time or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Stadium Journey, the worldwide leader in stadium reviews for the traveling sports fan, is proud to present the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Join us as we talk with prominent figures from around the sports world to discuss issues pertaining to sports travel and stadiums around the globe. New episodes air on VOC Nation Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Join Paul Baker, Dave Cartney, Mark Viquez, Dan Calachico, and guests from throughout the sports world on the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Yo, this is Jerry Steins of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You getting ready to get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Welcome back to the Rock and Roll Union Podcast, guys. We still have a lot left of our Van Halen tribute, guys, our Eddie Van Halen tribute. And uh, to tell you one thing, we're going to open the phone lines to a little bit of trivia. I have a lot of prize packs from uh, bands from around the world included. uh, Could be a various CD from any of the bands in the Rock and Roll Union Podcast. If you can answer this one simple question for me, Eddie Van Halen, was different from other musicians because he couldn't do something. What could Eddie Van Halen not do as opposed to other musicians? Good question. (laughs) I know it too. And uh, you can call here. If you got the answer, it's 914-338-1885. Guys, we got prize packs to give away, and that's going to be to the first caller that calls in. So, 
going back a little bit to Unchained and Pound Cake, man, you could hear his fingerprints all over those songs. Uh, what other songs, Doc, bring to mind when you uh, think of Van Halen? Oh, my God. There's so many. Um, every, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I like the Van Hagar style. Um, I mean, I like the original stuff also, too, but, you know, um, it just had such a different feel to it. They brought some synthesizers. People didn't like it necessarily, but I thought it was just amazing. And, of course, Panama, Jump, all that, the, the classics are just phenomenal. Man, I, I'll, I'll tell you, like I said, I was a little bit younger than my brother, so it was it was the Van Hagar thing. When I was, I got to say, man, when I was in eighth or ninth grade was when uh, David Lee Roth was doing his Just a Gigolo stuff, and uh, Sammy Hagar had taken the front. And the, the one song that always made an impression on me was Right Now. And Oh, yeah. I remember somebody, I can't remember who it was back in the day. They said the difference between, and I think it might have been David Lee Roth, the difference between Van Halen with David Lee Roth and the difference with Van Halen with uh, Sammy Hagar was they leaned towards more serious topics with uh, Sammy Hagar, whereas with David Lee Roth, it was more lighthearted, party, sexual, that kind of feel. America's party band. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they they debuted early. I didn't realize how early they came out, man. They were playing, wow, 72, 73. They were just getting right. the pieces rolling. But I got to say, they were probably one of the first hair bands. Because right. they, they right. definitely yeah. fit right in with that 80s look and the 80s sound. And David Lee Roth was the front man. And... It's just incredible yeah. to me the stuff that they did. Van Hagar, um, as everybody calls it, brought a, a total different, a different feel to it, a strength to it. Um, you know, people miss, with the reunion, people miss the original stuff though. It definitely had a certain feel to it. Absolutely, we have a caller on the line. Let's see who this is. Thanks for calling the Rock and Roll hey. Union podcast. Who do we have? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? This is Buddy Blanchard from Romeo Delight. How you guys hey. doing tonight? Good, buddy. Hey, hey how's it going, man? man? Hey, man, it's so great to talk to you guys at this, but unfortunately for sad reasons. But yeah. Um, but you know, you know, I, I was looking at all the stuff online, and you know, they say um, I saw this one great poster. It said, um, you know, don't be. What did it say? It said, don't be sad for the times that we. Um, for me now, but just be grateful that we had what we had, you know, with Eddie Van right. Halen and his um, everything he gave us, you know, from uh, his fingering technique and his guitar sound and creating the variac. And I mean, the guy's got um, stuff in the Smithsonian, you know, he did so well and was such a genius. So, you know, thank, thank goodness. You know, I was with my old drummer from Romeo Delight last night. We had a party and after rehearsal and you know he said you know what don't feel bad for eddie he lived life the way he wanted to live it on his own terms you know and and it made me i found a little comfort in those words you know so but it it is rough he living life according to his own lifestyles even came down to being on his dad none of us knew 
And I, I got to respect the fact that he kept that out of the light as much as he did to the point where nobody like expected this to happen. But exactly. Apparently he had been dealing with this for a long time. Yeah. And it's funny now that you say like, we didn't know exactly what was going on, but now looking back on it and reading the stories, you know, and, and listening to um, Van Halen's old manager, um, Aaron, I forget his name, Aaron Osnoff, I forget. But anyway, I read a little story with him and said, they were supposed to go on tour in that summer, 2019, you know, but I think the biggest telltale sign was that things weren't doing well is that um, David Lee Roth went on tour without Van Halen. That was the big thing because they would not have done that if they, he knew they were going to go back out again. So that's sad. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to talk through a, trying to talk through a mask here, guys. Sorry. We're not contagious. We're on the radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, I, it, it's unbelievable the the legacy that they left behind, and you know, I've seen you guys numerous times, and you guys pay straight homage to the whole Van Halen crew. And oh my God, yeah. For sure. What's going on with you guys, man? Like, I know the COVID kind of put a, a wrench in everybody's plans, but uh, what's it, going on it, with Van it really Halen? Did. Yeah, I know. I, I feel bad for all us guys. You know, we can't get out there, and especially at these times where you want to get out there and you want to celebrate and you know have have that tribute for Eddie Van Halen. Now it's oh yeah, it's sad that we can't just go right out and do it. But um, yeah, I mean we do have shows booked and. You know, but we did lose a lot this year, of course. You know, there couldn't be helped, you know, but uh, I, I don't feel bad for us. You know what I mean? We we, we do what we do. I feel bad for kids, you know, yeah. kids who play music. You know, I, I feel bad for them, yeah. you know, because, you, know, you know, I know a lot of kids and they're out rocking out and they need that time to develop. You know, we've we've had our big shows, you know, but uh, yeah. so, but now we got lots of stuff so going qu- on. So question for you. What's your like, favorite song? My favorite song has got to be Unchained, right? Unchained. <laughs> that's, the, that's the tune. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what else can it be? You know, you can't, like, skirt over it. I mean, of course, we love all the tunes, but you really have to, you know, just shed it all away. It's got to be that one tune that gives you the power, the energy, because music is a tool, you know? So, and to use that tool at that time, you know, that's the tool I like to use is the Unchained tool, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We just played yeah. that right before you called in, man, and it's just—it's—it's um, it's a heartbreak, but it's also, you know, we got to live during the Van Halen era, so I mean. Oh yeah. So for well, it's a celebration listen- of the music, everybody's getting—you know—after his death now, everybody's getting uh, reintroduced to it. That's definitely. That's or hell yeah. How about the record sales? All the um, streaming, it went up like um, 6,700% or 67,000%. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see yeah, all that? Hell yeah, dude. I know. I mean, just I, that, that should show hopefully that there's still some life left in rock and roll, even with the passing of a legend that we still have some rock and roll in us left. And, uh, Absolutely. But, buddy, I wanted to ask you one quick question, and then I'm going to let you go because I know you're out at dinner and you're calling me from dinner. But uh, what's, what's the next thing in store for you guys? You guys got any gigs or anything coming up that we'd like to plug? 
Yeah, we put all our gigs on the you know on our Van Halen Tribute Band dot com website. But the next one we have, which is going to be a very special show, because of Eddie, we're going to pay tribute to him the whole night as we usually do. But we're going to, more of the guitar oriented songs are going to be pulling out. It's going to be on um, Saturday, October twenty fourth at Sweeney's. We're going to do nice. a big show, and it's it's testing. Of course, you know it's you know everybody wants to be part of you know the man Eddie Van Halen, the legend. Okay. So um, and we're and we're going to bring that full Van Halen party, you know that Eddie Van Halen special party, to that show. It's going to mean a lot to all of us. You know, talking to my guitar player Kevin Somerville, he's he's that's just like his biggest fan. You know, is Kevin and. He's just, oh my gosh, he's he's really got his whole heart and soul into it, and I love it, you know. It, so, two weeks so, from then. Well, buddy, thank you so much for calling in, brother, and enjoy, enjoy your dinner tonight. But uh, Thank you yeah. so much, CT. Thanks for dealing with me, man. I really appreciate it. <laughs> you got it, brother. And thank, you for having this, thank you for having this special show for Eddie Van Halen, man. Nobody deserves it more, a musician, more than Eddie Van Halen. He's the best. Absolutely, I agree a hundred percent. So, thank you, brother. Yeah. Have a great evening and a good rest Take of your care, day. Man. Thank you. Take care, guys. Have a good night. So that was Buddy Blanche from Romeo's Delight. Guys, I would like uh, we're going to shift gears now from Romeo Delight to our friends from Van Halen Nation. We have Mark Moore on the line. Mark, you with us? Yeah. Uh, yes, sir. How are you? Good, man. How you doing? Hey, Mark. As I'm finer than Frogger. Hey, how you doing? So, uh, All good, man. All good. But what what a blind side we got this past week. I mean, if 2020 couldn't suck anymore, and now we lose Eddie Van Halen. But uh, how are you guys handling it? How are you guys taking the news? Well, of course, it's it was crushing, but... Um, I think uh, uh, Dave kind of set it all up early on in the year that, um, you know, it it wasn't looking good for Ed. And, um, you know, I think that was his way of just uh, lightly saying the end is near. But, um, uh, no, you know, it doesn't matter if we knew it or not. Uh, It's still crushing, uh, you know. were just kind of I, I, I sat there really in um, shock for probably an hour and yeah. um, and then you know tears are streaming uh, just like you know like the guy who wrote the uh, soundtrack to my youth was gone so yeah so yeah um, that was uh, and and you know you'll We'll definitely carry this for a long time, even, um, you know, over the years, you know, uh, as a tribute act, you're going to be playing these songs over and over again, and and you're just, uh, we're just going to keep reliving it. And, and, you know, as far as seeing you guys, I've seen you guys on big stages like the Queen and different areas, and you guys take the you you do the whole sound you do the look you do the and, and it's just it's unfathomable that we don't have Eddie with us right now and as far as you guys deciding to long before I mean how long have you guys been doing the tribute for 
Uh, well, this version has uh, now, we're going on our third year, but um, the Van Halen Nation is 12 years old, and um, I've been impersonating Dave since 1984. Wow. And, I mean, what was it about that band or Eddie Van Halen or any of it that made you guys want to do that? Well, um, growing up uh, in, in my family, my brothers were, you know, a big influence in my life, and, and um, they we all had pretty much an eclectic uh, uh, background of music. I mean, you know, we would have, you know, the Rolling Stones playing or uh, Sly and the Family Stone or, you know, uh, a big, big influence in my life was Elvis Presley and, uh, you know, it, it jumped all over the place. So, um you know, uh, music was always a big uh, part of my life. But um, when I, I reached 13, the age of 13, my brother uh, introduced me to uh, Van Halen. And, um, I mean, that was the, the game changer right there. And uh, I uh, he took me to uh, the uh, 79 uh, tour uh, concert at the Spectrum. And we're uh, we're sitting at the back of the spectrum, and uh, man, they just they hit the uh, stage, and the place shook. And uh, right then, I was I was hooked. And uh, I mean, the energy was just uh, because that year I had seen Boston, um, seen the Kiss tour, um, you know the. I probably saw like three or four different concerts uh, that my brother took me to, and then he took me to the Van Halen concert, and I was like blown away. So that uh, that there kind of was my uh, my drug from there on in. And um, you know, each year, you know, I would do the old uh, jump the jump the chair trick, you know, to to get front row. And, um, and from then on to 1984, I was uh, I was front row for. Uh, for Van Halen, taking notes, uh, watching Dave, and just you know mesmerized by this, the energy just rolling off that stage, and uh, the power, and, and you know like Dave said, you know, he wants everybody to walk out of there about three feet in the air, and uh, I was sure one of them. Man, I, I got to tell you, Mark, I like I said, I've seen you guys in different aspects and different venues, and one of my favorite places that I saw you guys perform was the Queen and you uh you got rolled through the crowd which I thought was awesome. The place was absolutely <laughs> packed and mm -hmm. you guys put on a hell of a show. I got to say dude, I don't know how old you are but I'm in I'm in awe of the strength and the agility you have to pull off the things that you pull off as Eddie Van or uh, David Lee Roth. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. And uh, I, what I tell everybody is, my wife keeps me uh, hermetically sealed in the basement, and uh, <laughs> keeps me nice and fresh for the shows. And uh, you know, there's it's a little bit uh, you know alcohol induced, and uh, you know the rest is just pure uh, adrenaline. So, uh, hey, look, you, if you're going to be pumping out Van Halen, you better be doing it right. Hell yeah.
So, no, Mark, Mark, do you have a favorite song to perform? I do. Um, the songs on uh, Van Halen 1 through 1984. Okay. Nice. Annie, and, and I is love there any them specific all. one <laughs> that you think you're, like, really right on with? Uh, you know, no, I don't have one that in particular that I say this is my favorite song uh, because each one had its own little uh, different form of energy. And, uh, you know, like uh, in my performance, each song I performed differently, you know, I kind of uh, go back through the Rolodex and say, you know, what was Dave doing here? What was, you know, and then I kind of improvise a lot of it uh, again, just implementing the moves that I've studied uh, from uh, from Dave and, um, you know, string, string them together through our show. And, um, do you tend to do them like chronological order or do you kind of mix it up a little bit? The Van Halen songs? In our yeah, show? yeah, when, for, your, for your show. Uh, I, I kind of, you know, of course, you know, we – we do all the hits, but you know I love peppering in the uh, the, the uh, deep cuts because, um, well, for one, uh, our guitar player Matt um, is uh, he's an old soul. I mean he's he's a young gun. Uh, Matt, oh yeah. But um, he uh, he loves Van Halen one and Van Halen two, and that was you know they were still hungry then. They were they were you know um, really chomping bit to get out there and, and prove themselves and uh, so that that energy uh, you know Matt kind of feeds off of any and he's got that sound down to a T and um, so we um, we kind of feed off of Matt now you know because his uh, his youth and his energy kind of like you know inspires us you know because we now- uh we actually got to see Van Halen and lived it, you know what I mean? And here's a young guy. He's never saw, you know, Van Halen in that era. And, you know, he's like, he's like totally shredding it as if he was there and studied Eddie right next to me, you know? And uh, so that that's a pretty cool thing. And I'm, and uh, kudos to his uh, dad, uh, Mike Stanley, who uh, really kind of, you know, helped him along, but, um, yeah, he, uh, you know, that, that's all, all Matt out there. And that's to me, really cool. And, uh, a special, uh, thing that he brings to Van Halen nation. Now, without sounding facetious, I have to ask, because I've been following Matt for a long time. How old is Matt right. now? Uh, 22. He is I'm 22 years old, this kid, and I call him a kid because I have a kid his own age. Yeah. This kid has got it. Like, if anybody was Eddie Van Halen on the stage, I've seen nobody do it the way that Matt does it. And he doesn't only do uh, Van Halen Nation. He's tied up into a couple of different other groups, but none so more than I see him doing Eddie Van Halen. Well, I've seen him with uh, other outfits and other bands, but he he seems to have that Eddie handprint on him. Yeah, he um, of course he's in the Land of Oz and and, and does the Randy Rhodes uh, spot on too. So and that's no easy feat in itself either. So uh, and 
again, Cone, uh, he's a stickler for de- uh, stickler for details, and and like he hates to mess up, which is awesome. But you know, he kind of brings the whole package, you know, and he and he's got the brown sound totally down, and um, he, um, he, you know, like. Well, just to, to roll back to his first show with us, he, um, I, I was, you know, going through YouTube. I mean, I've seen his post and everything on YouTube and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, Facebook and everything. And I'm like, who the hell, you know, and I'm like watching him and he's like ripping out all these Van Halen songs, you know, and I knew he was in Land of Oz. But, uh, I mean, he was killing the Van Halen stuff. So I, uh, I called him up and I said, Matt, you know, would you be interested in, in joining? And he said, yeah, absolutely. And so I said, look, we got three shows coming up real, I mean, like in two weeks, um, you know, you think you could get our set down? He goes, shoot it over to me. So I, I shot uh, 25 songs over to him and he, uh, he goes, I know all but two. So we practiced uh, two times, and the, he was flawless. I mean, so. if this kid was in any other I, – I hate to say it. If this kid was in any other country, I think he'd have made it a long time ago. And it, it's just – I feel it's a matter of time until he breaks into – Something astronomical. This kid is really, really good. But that doesn't take away Absolutely. from the rest of Van Halen Nation. You guys kill it, man. And your your drummer does the Alex Van Halen perfectly. You do. I mean, David. I told you the the one time when you coming through the the crowd on the rollers was perfect. Like, what a great show. Has there been a favorite show that you guys have done? Um, and we've done so many, uh, and and even with the, our ex guitar player, we we did one in Oswego, New York, and uh, I think the total number of people people in attendance was uh, fifty four thousand throughout the wow. Oswego, and they like wow. played, you know the um, the you know the, where we were we were on the main stage, and it was just you know these screens throughout the town, so it was really cool. Uh, that was a pretty cool vibe, but um, with Matt, um, I don't know. We're we're kind of it's kind of like a different, you know, obviously a different chemistry and a different energy. So um, uh, I would say, you know, any stage that we get on, I mean, it's an honor to get on the stage with a young man, you know, as it is. But um, we've been very fortunate to have. Um, been able to string together these uh, theaters and, and um, um, you know, each one of them has been cool in itself, you know. Um, like you said, the Queen, um, TLA, the Lavoie, Sherman Theater, uh, and just recently we played at this uh, uh, winery up in uh, Sunbury uh, called uh, Spyglass Ridge Winery. The stage is it's a huge stage in the middle of this like cornfield, but um, he's got seven acres, and and the guy has like national acts coming there every year. So um, 
the, the guys like totally set up for, for you know a rock band to come in there. So with the COVID thing, we we went up there. Everything was uh, COVID compliant, and um, we had we had a hell of a show. That's awesome. Now, as far as the future of Van Halen Nation, the near future, do you guys have anything scheduled? Anything coming up? Uh, as of right now, we don't because um, we are not a, a bar band, so um, gotcha. we we kind of stay away from the bars. Uh, we. We um, we feel it it kind of cheapens the uh, the product you know so we um, we stick to the, the theaters and and right now they're just not open you know they're not back to uh, full capacity so uh, you know we did the uh, the drive-in thing a couple times and uh, that was that was cool um, and we did the uh, the winery thing and that was really cool because you did get the full stage and you know the full vibe of it all but. Um, yeah, I, I'm, we're just not that, you know, we're not that bar band anymore. <laughs> yeah, you guys have a hell of a production, man, as far as lights and costumes and sound. And, yeah, I, I don't blame you. But, uh, yeah, brother, thank you so much for calling in. My best to the rest of the band. And uh, have you guys been doing any kind of rehearsing? Yeah, um, well, we, um, of course, too, uh, Matt has... Uh, He's put out uh, a couple tributes to Eddie. Um, he did take your whiskey home, and he's done eruption. And um, he, he did a live stream with a, a friend of his, I think, who was out in uh, California, and they, they they just went through, you know, Van Halen, their favorite Van Halen songs, and, and played them live. And that was a really nice tribute by uh, Matt. But um, as far as the band, we you know we practice, and you know. Um, we're just kind of waiting. I think we're waiting till you know whatever's going to happen breaks and uh, you know the uh, festivals and the uh, theaters reopen. I hear you, and you know they, once it does reopen, it's going to reopen. I think with a fire. I mean, everybody's going to be wanting to get out of the house at that point. And <laughs> yeah, God knows I need it. <laughs> but. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just man I'm really looking forward to those days when we can kind of get back to normal but uh, Mark thank you so much for calling in man you're absolutely welcome and thank you for having me and uh hope to see you guys real soon and um, as soon as we get uh, our first uh, you know our first uh, show uh, in the books uh, back in the theater I'll definitely uh Send the invite to you guys and some tickets. Awesome. And uh, awesome. we'll do a little bit of a little bit of partying backstage, and we'll make it happen. That sounds great, brother. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank man. You. Take Have care. a great night. Ciao. So that was Mark Moore of Van Halen Nation. I'm telling you, if you get the chance to check out either Van Halen Nation or Romeo's Delight, they're both phenomenal bands. Both. Really, really good tributes to Van Halen, and I, I can't say anything higher for Matt Stanley, man. I gotta say, I've seen Matt since probably the past three years, nineteen years old. He makes me really feel hopeful for rock because <laughs> he's so young and he's so experienced in the same aspect. But uh, man. So what, what that's you what we need. You know, you need the young guns. 
Hell yeah, bro. I mean, it, you know, everything seems to be in the in the states. It, it seems like we've fallen behind the rest of the world as far as rock and roll is concerned, and it kills me because it started here, and it, it seems to be lacking here. Well, I think in Europe and some of the other countries, it's about what it was here 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, I I used to really... Big festivals and and all that. So hopefully when this all gets, um, you know, COVID kind of calmed down and things, people getting out, people are going to want that live music again. Yeah, I agree. I think, honestly, that once everything calms down and we can start getting back to normal... I think the floodgates are going to open, and I think rock and roll is going to be back in a big way. Um, I One thing I've noticed during this whole thing is so many bands have been coming out with such great material. They haven't had a chance to hit a stage. They haven't had a chance to really do a whole lot, but they've been recording a ton during lockdown. That's, and, where, it's at. Oh, that's where it's at. That's uh, From my personal standpoint, um, during COVID, I've written about 20 different songs. So it's you know you get to sit down and really uh, you know when the time you have work it. And, and you know it's it's a crazy time. There's a million topics out there that need to be addressed. There's a million feelings and emotions, and now's the time to really get with it, guys. I mean, if if any of you guys are listening that are either in a rock band or want to do something musically now, I believe is the best time since man, maybe the eighties. Cause I feel like there's a change in the weather with rock and roll. I don't know if you feel that doc, but I, you know, there's, there's a big part of me that feels like the, the gates are about to bust open. Well, from my standpoint, I am itching itching, itching to get out, you know, and I know a lot of people have been um, asking when I'm going out to play and where and when and all that, and we're just waiting for it to be safe, and then we're going to explode, you know, it's just, and everybody, other bands that I know that feel the same way, they're just waiting, you know? And, you know, as far as someone, I mean, talking personally, as far as someone who did a crap ton of live events in the past, that's the main thing you brought it up was the safety of it all. I don't want to do anything where thing, if you got to do contract or contact tracing, I don't want to have that event. That That's Agreed. just me personally. Agreed. If you have to worry about knowing the ins and outs of every single person that comes into that venue, I prefer just not to do it. Right. We just canceled our last show that was going to be up at Dingbats for that exact reason. It got rescheduled. It's going to be absolutely amazing. It's scheduled for March. But it's so much better to be safe than sorry. Nobody wants that one venue that you're playing at and somebody gets very, very sick. Nobody wants that. It's not worth it. I agree 100%. You know, I've seen some venues, not going to call out names, but I've seen some venues that are still up and running still doing what they believe is in the best interest for rock. But honestly, some of these places, while they're trying their best to do what they think is in the best interest of rock, I fear that they're going to cut our nose off despite our face 
And if everything goes back into lockdown again, it's going to be because of these reasons. Well, you got to realize a lot of these venues um, have no income. They're not getting supplied the same way some small businesses or medium businesses are. They're struggling, and they're they're really um, they not be able to stay open much longer. Yeah, but I think that's what's what's happening. And, and it's a damn shame, man. You know, I I highly recommend anyone listening make sure that you're doing that extra tipping. You're you're remembering these people no matter what. I do get some takeout from now uh, every once in a while, and when I do get takeout, I make sure I tip above and beyond. Just because a lot of these waiters, waitresses, bartenders, whatever, they're they're not seeing that right now. Absolutely. So, I mean, no matter where you're going, just make sure you're safe. Make sure there's a lot of crazy stuff going on right now. But, I mean, the best thing we can do is just keep rocking, keep, keep getting the music alive. And... You, you know, I've seen there's a festival coming up on YouTube um, for the music industry. I'm looking it up right now. Um, but there's an online music festival, I believe, next weekend. And I know Dave Matthews is part of it. Um, looking it up. And this is crazy. There's so many people doing live streams right now, but I know that it's available on YouTube. And I know Dave Matthews is a big part of that, and there's a lot of other artists that are involved. But it, it's just to try and keep music going for everybody that's out there. you got to remember the roadies don't have any income right now. The bus drivers, everyone that was affiliated with the rock scene at all, Sure. Luck right now, it sucks. Yeah, it's it's and even when you look at the um, people, musicians themselves, they their pay is based very differently than your average person who goes and gets paid by a a company. So what they're getting through the government is unemployment is absolutely nothing, and it's really difficult for them to survive. Yeah, And, and I really like. Like I said, I think there was actually some positives that come out of the shutdown. It allows us to reevaluate and do things a different way. I remember a year and a half ago, two years ago, I was on this show saying that, you know, maybe we should start making our show times earlier. The bars that are out there doing live events are now doing their shows earlier. I think they they end at 10, 1030. And they should have been like that a long time ago, but if this is what it took for it to get that way, then I hope it stays this way. Right, right. So, I mean, they're I'm a- you've been there, uh, Doc. You you know, you've when it comes to midnight, it feels like the place is empty. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that uh, we talked about that before. That's twofold, right? So it's um, when bands come out, they tend to have their um, – fans and then they leave i had one venue actually tell me that they were a destination venue bands came in their fans came in they left and that was it and i thought that was so bizarre um so when you're a later band you know you bring your fans but all the other bands fans are kind of gone already you know so it's difficult 
And that goes back to trying to support each other, like we talked about many times before. You know, if, you, if you're playing early, stay late. If you're playing late, come early. Um, support everybody as a group. That's right. And, you know, like I said, because of the COVID situation, uh, bars started doing shows a little bit earlier, and I think that was a big key for some people. No one wants to hang out till 2 o'clock in the morning. We're, I mean, most of the rock right. crowd were, were a little bit older, but even as far as the younger crowd, you can get them out there, get them early, get expose them to the music. Even when you go to a normal concert, the, the show's over by 11 o'clock. Right, and right. For a bar to be kicking it till 2 a.m., I don't see how that's beneficial to anyone. Right. I think it's more of a financial thing. The more hours they're open, the more people can eat, drink, and, and spend money. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Well, I, I think regardless of when the entertainment goes on, the people are going to be there regardless. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a uh, – my personal feeling may be a little bit of a slow roll until there's a vaccine and people feel really comfortable, but when they do, it's going to be um, pretty big. Hell yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by the fifth front man, Roy Kathy, man, really excited to be talking to him. So, uh, guys, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. This is Lance Storm, and if I can be serious for a minute, you're listening to VOC Nation Worldwide. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts also include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hicks, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling with History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Works, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern and In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. Both shows take callers live during the show, and recent guests have included... General Adnan, Tito Santana, Haku, Earl Hebner, Danger Sandy Davis, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Brodus Clay, and so many more. Archive free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter, at VOC Nation. Rock and Roll Union for the past two years has been the place for rock and roll, new rock and roll, debuting rock and roll, and some of the old classics as well. We have welcomed guests from around the world, national artists, and more. We've excited many people by our live events. We've welcomed everybody into the fold, and we continue to do so on a weekly basis. Guys, that is Rock and Roll Union, and that is what we do for you. Saturdays, 6 p.m. Eastern, VOCNation.com. Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. The morning after, right here on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Brady Hicks and... Homeboy Rap Boy here. I tell you what, we got a good show right here in the afternoon at 12 o'clock. Eastern Standard Time on the VOC Nation. Talking wrestling, football, news, whatever's going on in the world today. VOCNation.com. 
each and every Thursday night. Check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Welcome back to the Rock and Roll Union Podcast, guys. I want to say a big thank you once again to my friend Rock Doc for joining us this evening. Uh, been having a blast. But one thing that I Absolutely, to- man. One thing I forgot to do before we went to commercial break, and I kind of I put it out there on the Facebook page. Whoever has a drink in their hand, please raise. We're going to do a little little moment of silence, a little prayer for our brother, Eddie Van Halen, and uh, here's to it. All right, guys, so uh, our next guest, Roy Cathy, he's been around the block a time or two, man. He is the front man for the band The Fifth, who has a lot of great stuff coming out this year. Please welcome Roy Cathy. Roy, thanks for joining us, brother. My pleasure, CT. How are you tonight, bro? Good, man. Hey, how's it going, man? I want to hey, what's happening? That is my special co-host. That is Rock Doc uh, Dave Rosenfeld. He is in a band called Tonal Crush and Out of Bounds. So he is joining Excellent. us this evening. Excellent. Nice to meet you, my friend. How are you? Nice to meet you, too, man. You got some good stuff out there, man. Thank you so much, man. You know, I've been doing the rock and roll thing for for many years, been doing the singing thing for many years. So I think after nearly 30 years, I think I about got it down. (laughs) (laughs) You know, one of the things that we were talking about uh, right before the commercial break was we were talking about how the United States is a little different than overseas and other places in the world as far as rock and roll. And Mm -hmm. I know that you guys are um, probably seen a little bit differently overseas than other, than here in the States as well. Am I right? Uh, Yeah. Well, you know, in in overseas, as far as like Europe and Japan, you know, uh, rock and roll is still like a huge, huge force in music. You know, they, they, have the outdoor festival still over in Europe uh, for the most part, uh, but live entertainment and live rock and roll uh, for 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 the most part over there and in Japan is is still you know huge. It's it's here in the states that uh, our genre seems to be uh, I wouldn't necessarily say on life support, but definitely you know not at the not at the forefront of what it used to be. So uh, right. yeah, there's still a lot of really strong stuff going on overseas for us. Now, uh, as far as the fifth, you guys have been around quite some time, and I know you guys are getting ready to re-release some material. Could you tell us a little more about that? Uh, yeah, you know, we're uh, about to re-release our uh, 2009 Confessions of Man uh, CD. Uh, we're really excited about it. We've remixed it. We've remastered it. We've uh, partnered up with uh, Exodus Stratagem Records, which is a, uh, a, a southeastern regional uh, label. Uh, we've got distribution through Sony Orchard, and what we're doing is we're 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 re-releasing this to kind of get the fans uh, psyched for our uh, new release uh, of an EP that the Fifth is working on, which will be out 
uh, first of next year. So this is kind of a setup of uh, what's to come in 2021. Is that now, released of that specific album, or are you going to do songs like Dirty Money on that as well? Yeah, Dirty Money is on the uh, Confessions of Band release, so that one is, is on there. Basically, you know, what we did is is we went into the studio and we basically, uh, you know, started from scratch. And, and we took away a lot of guitar tracks. We remixed everything. We remastered everything. You know, uh, the record still holds up to this day. It still sounds current, even though it was released That's in true, like, yeah. uh, 2009. And, uh, you know, we just wanted to put a fresh new mix on it and reintroduce it to the, uh, to the audience and to the fans because when it was released through EMG Universal, um, you know, it got us into the Universal system, but we didn't really get the full push that we were expecting from EMG. And the labels subsequently ended up going under. So, you know, there's oh, wow. a lot of people that that did not get to experience the whole Confessions of Man. So we're hoping that this is a good uh, reintroduction of the band for people. So Would you, guys... you put that with a video as well or no? Uh, no, we're probably going to save our, our, our video budget for uh, putting out a video for the for a song on the next EP that we put out next year. But uh, you know, you know how things are, man. You know, you're in the business. You know, you 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 gotta spend your money wisely nowadays. You know what I mean? The the day uh, and yeah, age yeah. of labels, the day and age of labels throwing money around and and putting videos out for for every single is is just it's long gone for bands like us. We have to be very smart and and target our marketing. So uh, that's that's kind of our plan to shoot a new video for a, a newer song whenever the EP comes out. So my question for this album that you're re-recording now, you guys stripped it completely, like you started from scratch just with the songs and re-recorded everything. We didn't re-record; we just remixed. Uh, you gotcha. know, gotcha. Uh, we, we you know. You start you start digging through old recordings. You start realizing, oh my God, there's 12 guitar tracks on this. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> so what we did is is and, and what's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing at all. But sometimes, you know, with with this with this record, we found, you know, the more that we stripped away some of those guitar tracks, the more it opened up the the audio and opened up the space of the recording. And really gave it more definition and character. So uh, there's still a, a lot of guitars. It's it's still a hard rock guitar driven record. But you know I found that six guitar tracks does just as fine as twelve. <laughs> <laughs> now as far as North Carolina, you know I, I was reading one of your reviews earlier today, and they said that. North Carolina had seemed to be uh, dwindling a little bit on the rock scene. Is that how you guys find it, or is it a little bit more livelier than that? I mean, pre-COVID and everything. Well, you know, I mean, you know, North Carolina has never really been a hotbed for, for you know, uh, live rock, so to speak, even though there's a lot of great musicians. You know, the, the, the Seven Dust guys are from right down the road in, in Lumberton, North Carolina, and, you know, you, you've got a – you know, Sully from Godsmack lived here in Fayetteville for many, many years, even though he never claim it. <laughs> but you know, uh, you've got you've got a lot of lot of a uh, lot of history in this area. But for the most part, over the past couple of years, you know, and I don't think that it's just for North Carolina in general. I, I think that there's 
it's been a struggle for uh, rock uh, in 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 general because you know yeah. um, you've got a lot of hip hop, you've got a lot of R and B, and of course you've got a lot of country. And yeah. I think that a lot of the old '80s fans of rock that kind of moved over to the commercial pop country that's out there right yeah. now. So right now it's it's been kind of an uphill struggle uh, to kind of get the recognition and the respect that the genre deserves. But, you know, the way I look at it, man, rock and roll has always been for the rebels. It's always been okay. for, for the outcast. It's always been an underground thing. And and as soon as rock became overly commercialized, just like with anything, it loses its edge. It loses its passion. And, and right now I think that, you know, hopefully over these next couple of years – you know, I'm hoping that rock and roll will, will start making a, a strong comeback uh, because I'm really not seeing any breaking ground new material or new sounds coming from hip hop, R and B, or country. So I, I think right now the industry as a whole is kind of sitting back and waiting for the next big thing, and I think that next big thing to break is going to be a rock band. Yeah, you, you know, I agree with you, and it, it feels like and uh, rock. Doc, you could you could tell me your insight as well, but I feel like for the past man since the '90s, since that grunge movement of the '90s, we haven't seen anything as far as the next big thing, and I feel like we're really overdue for that. I, I think that rock musicians and the rock genre in general have been out hustled by some other genres on their marketing techniques. And I think that has a lot to do with it. Rock used to sit back and, and wait for the record companies to do all their stuff and all that. And a lot of these underground uh, independents came out with a new way of doing things. And actually, they're on the forefront, and we're kind of behind the times. Right, right. I, I, I agree with you 100%. You know, I, a lot of things happen with the Internet. It's been a double-edged sword. And one of the things right. that really hurt us was – the fact that the music industry, the, the old business model that the recorded industry used for decades, they literally sat on their hands for about eight to ten years and refused to acknowledge the power of the internet. And basically their business model crumbled, and they're still playing catch-up. So oh, you, yeah. know, you got bands – you know, my, my band, uh, Cold Sweat, back in – you know, 1990, when we were signed to uh, MCA Records, you know, we got a $75,000 recording budget. Uh, we got a $60,000 merchandise in advance. Uh, we we got uh, about another $75,000 publishing advance. You know, so there was a lot more money being distributed out to the bands back then. And nowadays, if you, if you go to a label and, and try and get a deal, you're you're lucky if you get a ten to fifteen thousand dollar budget to do your record. And oh yeah, there's, there's, they, and there's no record sales really. That's a, that's the major issue. When we were younger, people bought an album, they owned it, you took the plastic off. You, you know, now it's a, you know, they listen to a song and swipe right, and move right on. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, you guys are probably close to my age. You know, back back in the day, you know, music. We held those those songs in our CDs and cassettes. We we held that stuff personally because we wanted to hold it, we wanted to smell it, we wanted to yep. read the liner notes, wanted to read the lyrics, and and to us, you know, you could listen to a song and it could immediately take you back to a moment in time in your life that you could remember where you were, who you were dating, what kind of car you had, everything that was happening in your life. You could relate it to a song. Nowadays, this generation. 
music is a downloadable piece of content that they keep on their phone. They don't have the personal attachment to it that earlier generations had. And I think that it's no coincidence that as that personal connection to the music started to dwindle, music started to suffer and the quality of it started to suffer. Absolutely. I mean, I got got a question for you. You talked about Cold Sweat. I know in some of your um, concerts you've actually played um, Long Way Down. Have you added any more, like, from Crying Shame or any of that, or are you keeping both bands kind of separate? Well, you know, I mean, I'm always about trying to please the fans and give the fans what they want. And for many years, especially the the early years of the fifth, when I put the fifth together, you know, I kind of wanted to stay on the modern rock thing. I kind of, kind of, I wouldn't say that I turned my back on my '80s roots and everything, but I've always been the type of person that, you know, you've got to evolve, you've got to change, you've got to move with the times. If not, you become a dinosaur and you become extinct. But over the years, you know, I realized that, you know. There are a lot of fans that really love that record, and even though we were just a blip on the radar, there's we have a cult following that really wanted to hear those songs. So when I got the right lineup together and the right musicians, I knew it was time to start putting that material back into the set. So we do uh, we do Crying Shame, we do Long Way Down, we've even done uh, Let's Make Love Tonight. Uh, you know, we've tried to give those songs to the fans to give them what they want, and, and they really seem to enjoy it. That's great. That's awesome, man. Now, as far as uh, people finding your stuff, I know you're you're man, you're involved in a lot of different things. Are you doing anything right now with Steel City, or uh, you guys? Well, you kind know, of- I just. I just got back from Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Steel City did that Monsters of Rock cruise live stream, which was a, a phenomenal experience. It was great to go back to Los Angeles after nearly 30 years and and get to you know uh, you know visit my old stomping grounds and go down to Hollywood and the Sunset Strip and have pizza at the Rainbow and you know I mean it, it was a great experience. Uh, right now, you know, Mike is working hard. He's, from what he's told me, he's already basically got the next Steel City record written. Uh, what he will do is then kind of start sending me songs, and we'll start going through the lyrics and the melodies and start uh, trying to, you know, uh, piece the next one together. That's awesome, man. Now, um, as far as fans keeping up to date with everything you're doing, what is the best way for them to uh, kind of stay in the loop? Well, you know, I mean, social media, even though, you know, I I sometimes have to beat my head against the wall because it infuriates me sometimes. Uh, (laughs) I think think that, you know, social media is the best way to keep in touch with us. You know, the FIP has a Facebook page. I have my own personal Facebook page. You know, Still City does as well. Uh, The Boston Tribute Band that I'm involved with called Don't Look Back, you know, uh, they have a Facebook page. You know, that's the best thing that I could say about social media is is the fact that it has been able to, uh, you know, keep the fans in touch with their bands. But old Zuckerberg is trying to, you know, (laughs) put things on that as well. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Yeah, that that was a, a, a big shock, but you know, not not really surprised because, you know, hey man, you know, um, we're the product. You know, the us, right. you know, us going to Facebook, we're the product. So Facebook is wanting us to go to on Facebook to to 
to click on those links and to, and to buy those things and to, and to keep their, their platform going. If you start putting something out on their platform that they're not going to make money off of, guess what, kids? They're going to shut it down. So that's what yeah. we're seeing. Now, I mean, the, the big question that I had when a lot of these rule changes were announced was what prohibits this from changing to, say, YouTube, which seems to be monetized a whole lot better than Facebook or some mm-hmm. other kind of facet out there where you're able to shift gears. I mean, potentially, is this something that could be negative on the Facebook side? You know, I, I think that it's going to eventually turn out to be a negative on the Facebook side. What I'm hoping for is I'm hoping for a real innovative entrepreneur that is a music lover to start a new social media platform for music fans and that way the site is there for new artists up-and-coming artists established artists you can go there you can connect with fans that have the similar taste in music and and i'm sure that there's a way for them to figure out how to monetize it as you said but you know i mean right now you know, me and my girlfriend were watching, you know, uh, we stopped scan, we were scanning, and we stopped on MTV last night. And, man, they shouldn't even call it MTV because they're not oh, playing yeah, music anymore. <laughs> it, oh, it's, yeah. it's insane, you know. So it's like I'm, I'm hoping that, like I said, some, some entrepreneur will come up with a social media platform that, that is, is targeted for music fans, and I think that's going to be it- the next frontier. There's a couple out there starting out, but they're all in their infancy right now. Right, right, right. It, it, there no. are. There are. What, what's the name of them? I've heard of a couple of them, and, and like you said, infancy. Um, there's, there's one called, I think, Tune Bubble that's trying to okay. um, do just that just for artists. Mm-hmm. And well, I, I, think, I think it's the next frontier. I think it's the next thing for the music industry you know, to do. You know, I, I agree with you 100%, and I think there's ways, I mean, especially if you look at Spotify, and Spotify being the double-edged sword that it is, I mean, it, it's a bitch to see that the artists are getting pennies, and the CEO is a billionaire. It, it's disgusting to see. Yeah, it's it's really sad, and, and, you know, I'm old enough to know about how the old music business business model used to work and you know bands would get signed to three album deals why because the label wanted to cultivate that artist and build their audience and build their fan base and hope that with each record the band sold more they were willing to invest in the band because they believed in them as an artist nowadays it's roll it up like a booger and throw it against the wall and if it sticks Hell yeah, and if it doesn't, just let that booger fall off the wall, and we're going to pick the other one. You know what I mean? It's just – it's yeah, turned into that. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I mean, is there any hope – is there any hope – What, as far as you guys say, is there any hope as far as the United States is concerned with bringing some of that old-school feeling back? It, will there be new big artists again, or are we looking at something that's possibly going to stay underground? Um, brother, if I had a crystal ball, I would have a winning lottery right now. You know, uh, all I know, 
and and you know our 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 friend on the other end could relate to this. You know, if you're an artist, if you're a musician, if you're an entertainer and a performer, it's what you do. You yep. don't go into this. You don't go into this for monetary gain. If you do, you're you're going to be extremely disappointed. You know, if I was in this for money, I would have quit 25 years ago. Uh, I'm I'm a singer. I'm an entertainer. I'm an artistic person. I'm a creative person. If I cut that aspect off of my life and my personality, my entire being suffers. So yeah. I think that there's always going to be artists out there, and they're always going to strive to try and get their art out there. And all we can do is hope and pray that as time goes on, we can learn to live and get through this social media haze that we developed as a nation and as a culture to where we, we've kind of lost track of what's really, really important, which is good friends, good music, going to concerts, discovering new bands. We're, we're, we're too uh, easily uh, led now through, through social media, and I, I think that with time I'm hoping that you know, I mean, I know I am. You know, I was addicted to Facebook, and I still am on there too, too much. But I think even, even myself and and you guys as well, I think we're all getting a little like, ugh. You know, look yeah, at what this absolutely. has done. To oh us. yeah. Look at what it's done to us as a culture. Look at what it's yep. done to us as a society. It's it's tearing us down from music to communicating with your neighbors. I mean, it, it's just. It's 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 a double-edged sword, just like the internet. You know, I mean, you know, you guys know before the internet and before social media, you had yep. your group of friends and you had that one guy in the in your group that you're like, man, that guy's a little bit of an asshole. You kind of thought he was an asshole. <laughs> well, then then when Facebook comes along and this guy's posting shit all the time, then you're like, that guy's a fucking asshole. You know what I mean? <laughs> there was there was a time where you didn't really need to know that much about the person, and now everybody puts everything out there, and I. I think That's that right. it's kind of desensitized. It's desensitized us as a nation. So, Roy, my last question for you, because we're quickly running out of time, is I'm getting ready to play. This is a song going back a while for you, and I'm not sure if it's going to be on the next release. But uh, the gift, could you give us a little yes, input sir. to that song? The a little bit behind the writing of that and stuff. Well, you know, the gift is is uh, was the opening track on Confessions of Man. Uh, it's 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 just a, a heavy hitting, in your face kind of song. It's it's the album opener, and it's something that that has you know a lot of a lot of like punch in the face. You know, basically it's it's a it's a song about betrayal. It could be betrayal of a lover. It can be betrayal of a friend, because uh, you know, like the line says in the song, you know, uh, like a knife in the back. So this is your gift to me. So it's basically a song about betrayal. Uh, it's it's got a lot of aggression and a lot of energy, and and that's the kind of music that I like. I like music that it invokes emotion from people. So that's what I feel about the gift. So and a great you. video. Hell yeah, it is. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, guys. So, Roy, if there's anything uh, that you're able to update us with on the Rock and Roll Union page, please do so. Uh, we want to keep definitely keep up to date with everything that's going on with you. And, uh, brother, thank you so much for calling in, man. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. 
Hey, man, it's my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. I want you guys to both have a uh, have a great, great Saturday evening, and I want to thank you both uh, for holding the torch up, man. I mean, if it wasn't for guys like you that are putting out these podcasts and doing these internet uh, shows, you know, uh, there would be less music and less happiness in the world. So I appreciate you guys taking your passion and turning it into something to help spread more love and, uh, and, and keep music alive. So kudos to you guys, and thank you so much for having me on. Thanks, brother. Awesome. Have a great Cheers, weekend. Man. All right, guys, have a good one. Thank you so much. So here is the, the fifth with the gift.
So welcome back to the Rock and Roll Union Podcast. Guys, that was the fifth with the gift. Want to give a big shout out and thank you to Roy Cathy for joining us this evening. Now switching gears, guys, we're going to introduce to you our next guest. He is one of the founding members of Arcade Fire and such a pleasure to have on the show. Tim Kyle, thanks for joining us, brother. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? How's it going, Tim? Pretty good. So, uh, very good, guys. I want to introduce you to my special co-host, Rosenfeld. He plays in a band called Eternal Crush and Out of Bounds. How's it going, man? man. Good, good. So, uh, Tim, man, I mean, the one thing that that I got to say is it really frustrated me that I'm just now hearing your material. You've been out for a long time. And uh, could you give our listeners a little idea as far as your your history is concerned, uh, starting out with maybe your your place with Arcade Fire and how long you've been doing your personal stuff? Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, so the Arcade Fire thing, I, I... kind of grew up with Wynn Butler, um, the front man of Arcade Fire. Uh, we became friends in high school. Uh, grew, I grew up in New Hampshire. He went to boarding school in New Hampshire. and uh, Just kind of like a group of friends who grew up together, artists, musicians who kind of really influenced each other a lot at that like formative period of life. Um, and then after high school, uh, Wynn went to college for a year and was pretty disillusioned with it and came back to the Boston area. And uh, he and I and another good friend, Josh Dew, started um, what was Arcade Fire at that time in Boston. This is probably 2000, 2001. And I mean, it was one of those things where the first time we rehearsed at the end of the night, we were like, okay, where are we going to move? This is a thing. This is going to happen. This is awesome. So we decided to move to Montreal because in those days college was a lot cheaper to go to a good school there. And, um, and it just was kind of appealing to go. It just was an appealing place to go to. So uh, we moved up to Montreal and started our Cape Fire. Um, and I was in the early stages and I ultimately left the band because I wanted to pursue education at a little college in Santa Fe. Um, but it was clear that, uh, it was going to be huge. It was a really hard decision. They didn't want me to leave. I didn't want to leave, but, um, it was the right move. Uh, but, and, you know, we remain really good friends. You know, we're still to this day, good friends. I was just texting with Wynn the other day and, um, he's been super supportive through my career. Um, so yeah, I mean, after that, I went to school and then after school I started a band called Wild Light with some of the other people who were kind of in that same group of friends growing up with Wynn and these other kind of creative people and um, Wild Light had a good run. We uh, got signed to Columbia Records and um, you know, we made a record. We went through the whole music biz grind and, you know, it's kind of the last hurrah of the old way of doing things where you get signed to a record deal and you go and make a record in LA and <laughs> you know just this whole kind of we kind of could we kind of learned why you don't do it that way anymore in a lot of ways it's just like a crazy am I allowed to swear <laughs> hell yeah 
right. <laughs> it's just a crazy fucking stupid expenditure of money that happens. And I mean, you know, it's like the amount of money that labels would spend on stuff. I mean, I could have done everything that we did, at least as far as the recording and the things goes for like a tenth of the cost, you know. So, and that, it was tough days. I mean, the business was just contracting radically every year. So we did our record. We had a, you know, we got a, we we're pretty, we were very well received critically, you know, and did some amazing tours. We toured the Killers and Arcade Fire and uh, Doves, Wallflowers, um, a lot of really fun tours. We actually wrote a song with the Killers. They really liked us enough to invite us to do a collaboration with them. Um, but our record didn't sell shit, so we got dropped. Um, and then since then, I've kind of been doing my solo thing. This is um, this is going to be the first real record that I've put out as a solo artist. And, um, you know, in a lot of ways, it feels like it's finally kind of... I've been through all these different sort of iterations, and it kind of feels like it's finally... I have things figured out, you know, it's like I learned from my experiences how to build it the right way from the ground up. Um, and yeah, I'm just pumped. I just put out the first single and going to be a couple more and the full album's going to come at the beginning of 2021. So far it's been great. Awesome. Now are you doing mostly of your own production or you're actually recording somewhere else? So I did this record with two producers. This is crazy. This is like one of those things that should have never worked, but it did. Um, I, I went through some failures with different producers, just people being flaky, things not working out, people, you know, stupid money shit, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I, so I was in a unique situation in that I knew that I wanted to play most of the instruments on this record. Like I play guitar, bass, piano, and I sing, I don't play drums, but pretty much everything else that needs to happen on a record I can do. But because I don't play drums, I knew that I needed to work with people who could program beats. I didn't want to rehearse with a drummer for a year. And, you know, before making a record, I, I had the songs and I just wanted to go in and do it. I wanted to work with people who could program beats and then, you know, potentially record live drums later. So um, I ended up finding these two hip hop producers who were from the same area in bumfuck New Hampshire, where I'm from. And uh, is that next to East bumfuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're very close close uh, companion cities, if you will. Um, and so I found these guys and, um, you know, just kind of through happenstance and their names, uh, Decap is one of them. Uh, the other one is Brady Watt. Uh, some people may have heard of these guys. I mean, Brady Watt is a highly distinguished bassist, um, just crazy hip hop bassist. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a bassist for Talib Kweli, uh, DJ Premier, he's worked with LL Cool J. I mean, just a crazy list of people. I, I definitely encourage both you guys to look into both those guys. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those things where it's like, <laughs> it should not have worked. You know, I mean, I'm literally like playing these guys OK Computer for the first time when we're recording, and they're like, whoa, this is awesome. We got to make it like this. And I'm like, well, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> but it was just like totally different backgrounds, you know? Um, but we went down Brady at the time was living in Harlem in this 
brownstone that was being renovated and had no heat and, you know, no hot water, but it was this big, beautiful brownstone in Harlem right by Strivers Row. And we just posted up there for a month and, you know, turned the living room into the control room. I slept on an air mattress in the corner for a month and we just recorded all day, every day. And it was just like the best month ever. Super fun. And it just was kind of magically came together, you know, and, um, so that was sort of the core session. And, you know, again, since I've been through the whole process a few times, I, I kind of knew how I wanted to do it. So we kind of did the foundation there and then some spot sessions and then uh, went out to LA for a final week where we record, I recorded some live drums. This is with a different production team, a guy named David Spring, who has worked with people like Bob Dylan and Lucinda Williams, very pro LA producer. Um, and him and my friend Bob Logan, and we kind of recorded a bunch of live drums and backed them into the mixes, although some of the beats that those guys did were so good that we just left them. You'd never know they were programmed beats. Um, And then, you know, we kind of just brought all the mixes up to to level because we were recording real, you know, low, just like not, you know, we weren't in a studio when we were in Harlem. We were doing everything kind of, um, you know, home style recording. So the last step was to kind of, uh, you know, I, I put a little bit of resources into that final week and really brought everything up to level and that was it. So, you know, I'm not a great engineer. I can make my own demos, but especially now that I'm doing a solo thing and I play a lot of the instruments, I, I really like to work with producers. You know, it's like, in the end, music is like more fun when it's collaborative on some level. So even yeah. when I'm doing my own, playing everything myself, I really like to work with a producer too, because that's, you know, it's just more fun. And it's, you know, it's just it's getting that feedback and that uh, back. Yeah, get a little more insights. Yeah. And, you know, just stuff happens that wouldn't happen otherwise. You can get a feel for whether something's good or not, especially if you trust the people you're working with. And um, so that's kind of the perfect balance for me. Now, uh, I have to ask, because we we started out with uh, you saying that you had gone off to college for education. Now, do you still work in that field? Do you do anything on the side aside from your solo material? Yeah, no, I, um, I right now, I mean, the whole, the hope is, you know, I've been full-time for periods of time. When Wild Light was signed, that was all I did for a few years. Um, it's obviously a tough biz. Right now, I just work two days a week at a restaurant, and then I spend the rest of my time doing music. Um, oh. And I'm sort of hopeful that by the end of this year, you know, the vision board is no job by 2021. <laughs> so we'll see good, how that goes. But I'm... That's good. Now, after COVID's put away, are you looking to do some uh, touring for this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as soon as it's possible, I want to be playing shows. Um, it's a little bit of an interesting situation because if you hear the record, it sounds like a big rock band, even though I'm playing most of the stuff. So doing the record live is a little bit of a project because I'm going to have to put a band together, but um, I can play shows solo. You know, I can still play the song solo and I am definitely raring to go. I miss playing shows big time. Um, so yeah, for sure. Once, 
once reality returns, that'll be a goal. I mean, in, in the meantime, we'll be doing live streams and all that kind of stuff with the things that people are adapting to be able to do these days. Now, with all the stuff that you've been involved with, uh, from Arcade Fire to your solo material to everything in between, um, where did your influences come from early? Like, what did you grow up listening to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, you know, I mean, I start my awareness of music and pop culture probably began around age 10 or 11. And I just have this super clear memory of being on the back of the bus in Amherst, New Hampshire, and the kids in the back of the bus, the older kids who were cooler and knew more, were listening to Public Enemy, just Public Enemy nonstop. The record then was Apocalypse Apocalypse 91, and that just had such a big impact on me. That was like the beginning of... Just that, you know, there was something sort of like dangerous about that music and something like, man, my parents probably wouldn't want me listening to this. Even though in the end, public enemy music is like super positive, really, when you get down to it, especially compared to a lot of stuff that came later. But it sounds aggressive and scary to like white New Hampshire, for sure. So, (laughs) you know, that was sort of like this eye-opening thing. I also remember being next door at my my next-door neighbor's house and he had the single for smells like teen spirit like it had just come out um and i was probably like 11 years old at that time and um i remember him playing that single in his room and i just my whole like body just like responded and i remember just at that moment i was like i want to be in a fucking band this is incredible um and so, yeah, I mean, those are two really early experiences I remember. And then as I went through my teen years, a lot of the great indie rock from the mid-90s, you know, like Elliot Smith became huge for me. Um, you know, OK Computer, and you know, was the record of the late 90s if you're into kind of arty rock. Um, you know, I, I listened to tons of post-punk. I was, you know, The Cure was huge, The Smiths. Um, and then later, you know, I really got into like all Morrissey's solo stuff. I'm really sort of sad to see him descending into some kind of early onset dementia right now. Um, you know, saying all this stupid shit, but I take some comfort in the fact that it seems to coincide 100% with his music going to complete and utter shit. Like (laughs) from the exact time he started saying ridiculous from the exact time he started saying ridiculous shit, like he has not made one good song. So I sort of am not uh, feeling the need to cancel the rest of his work because of it. I really think he's got some like mental problems. Um, but anyway, that's an aside, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, big star, um, who else? I don't know. Those are a few, you know, I mean, Zeppelin, when I first started playing guitar, all I learned was I was like 13. All I learned was, Led Zeppelin songs. The Clash was huge. They were probably oh, my yeah. favorite band in high school. Um, I mean, they were just a band that was like, I mean, I still put on The Clash and I just, I get so pumped. I mean, I just remember I would drive to and from school just listening to The Clash over and over and just being like, this is what I want to do. This is the coolest thing I can imagine. <laughs> Great band. Now, um, I got two more questions for you. We're quick quickly running out of time but uh mm-hmm. i wanted to ask you um tim 
how do people go about finding your music, uh, seeing, finding you online, all those kind of things, websites? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I just dropped the first single from uh, this record that's coming out. Um, I just dropped it on Tuesday. So that is available on all the digital platforms, um, you know, on Spotify. Just search for Tim Kyle, K-I-L-E, not K-Y-L-E. People always think it's K-Y, but Tim Kyle, K-I-L-E. There is one other Tim Kyle out there. I should be crushing him pretty hard in the algorithms by now, so I think I should come up. I should be coming up first. But um, if you search for Tim Kyle and you find some, like, qu- like choir singing, Rise, Oh My Soul, that's not me. <laughs> so the single is called Buddy Holly Slash Seasons. And that is what I have out there right now um, on Facebook. It's just facebook.com slash Tim Kyle music. Same thing on Instagram at Tim Kyle music. Um, and what else? Oh, I have a website, Tim dash Kyle.com. Uh, those are the big ones, I believe. And your latest single kind of leads me to my last question for you. The, uh, the Buddy Holly Seasons, could you give us a little bit of input to that song, the writing, or maybe what it means mm-hmm. to you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that was a song that came out of a super tough time when I was making this record in the really early stages. I mentioned I had some producers not work out, and I'd done a Kickstarter. I'd raised all this money. I felt like I had all these expectations on me and got kind of robbed to put it simply a good amount of the resources I had and I just was in a tough spot it felt like I really had my back against the wall and didn't know what I was going to do and I remember one morning I woke up and I just was like so freaked out and I just sat down at the piano and that song just immediately started coming out and in a way that was the beginning of this record Um, and you know like lyrically it's kind of it's kind of hard to talk about. It's one of these things that's so close to me. It's like hard to talk about, but it's, um, I mean, it's really about, you know, the Buddy Holly lyric is about, um, you know, the beginning of the song, Buddy Holly, where'd you go in the airplane down to hell lifted from a tree where everyone can see. It's kind of like, it's using like Buddy Holly almost as it's like metaphor for all of rock music, like a stand in. And, um, and just, you know, there's this line, Buddy Holly, where'd you go in the airplane down to hell, but you come in through my feet. And there's this sense of like the kind of cyclical nature of creativity. And, you know, it's almost like you write something and it's almost like you're being possessed by someone else in the sense of your influences, people who've impacted you, music that has really gone to your soul and you know, it's like you become animated by it in this way that is almost like you just let it happen. Um, so to me, that's kind of what that song's about. It's about, it's about music, you know, it's about the creative act and what a mysterious, powerful, weird experience that can be doing something creative, you know, when it's at its best. And that's definitely how that song felt, you know, as well as once you finish and you look at it and you're like, where did that come from? Like, <laughs> wow. Man, well, now, Tim, one, thank one, you. one question: Do you what what genre would you consider your music as a whole album the same sort of um, style? 
I mean, it's definitely the same genre, but I think that there is a lot of variety in the in the music, and I think hopefully this isn't just me saying this. Like I've gotten this feedback too. I mean, you know, I love bands like you know, it's like on you know, I, I've mentioned OK Computer a couple times, or like you know, like the White Album or something. Not to put myself in this category of these things, but it's like every single song is kind of its own trip. You know, it's not like I think a lot of indie bands these days that their records kind of sound like they plug in, they get their sounds and then they record all 10 songs, you know, and every song in this record has a completely different, like sonic presentation, different tempo, different, you know, I, I try to play different styles without, while also keeping it cohesive, you know what I mean? And I think there is a cohesiveness. Um, you know, it's like when people ask me what kind of music I play, I say arty rock, you know, indie rock, whatever. I mean, indie rock is a kind of useless term. Um, but, you know, if somebody needs a shorthand, I usually say arty rock. That's like <laughs> to avoid using the indie word or alternative or whatever. So, Tim, thank you so much for calling in, man. And, uh, I'm going to ask you if anything, as far as updates, anything that your music concerning, could you please drop it on the Rock Roll Union page? We want to keep up to date with everything that you're doing. You bet, man. Sounds good. So thank you, brother. We're going to go ahead and listen to uh, Buddy Holly's Seasons. And uh, once again, brother, thank you so much, and have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you, guys. That was fun. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. So, guys, we're going to run over just a little bit. If you listen to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we're going to be there. Um, if not, if you're listening live, you can go back and listen to any of our shows on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. But here is Tim Kyle with Buddy Holly Seasons. <laughs>
does. Tim Kyle with Buddy, Buddy Holly Seasons. Want to say a big thank you to Tim Kyle for calling in this evening. And also want to say a really big thank you to my friend, Rock Doc, David Rosenfeld. Rock, Rock Doc, thank you so much for being with us tonight. No problem. Thank you so much, man. I had a great time. Man, it was a great show. And uh, for you guys coming up next, uh, just as a reminder, next week we won't have a show. My oldest son is getting married, so there will be no show next Saturday. But Saturday, October 24th, you want to make sure you're here. We're going to have a big show. We're going to be talking cover songs. We're going to have Steve Bellow, and we're also going to have Every Mother's Nightmare. Our special co-host will be Bradley. So, uh, Rock Doc, once again, brother, thank you so much for everything that you do. It's no problem. Thank you. So, guys, have a great rest of your weekend. And uh, remember, until next time, remember, rock and roll. Have a great evening, guys. And make sure that if you guys need to listen to any of the other podcasts, We are on Spotify, Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you find your your podcast. But until next time, guys, like I said, remember, rock and roll. Have a great weekend, guys. (laughs) 